Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of fellows who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Welcome to the show, Adam. Hey, thanks, Ben. Do you have any bits planned for the the show? (laughs) I don't. (laughs) I spent the weekend on a boat. Yeah? And it was great. I wanted to... uh, I wanted to disclose something to you that I think you might appreciate our listeners might appreciate and literally no one else in my life would appreciate which is uh, this is this is a this is a boat that could uh, that could be considered a yacht even by, wow. by some boaters it's pretty oh, big yeah. it's, a, it's a sort of boat with a with a flybridge up top the Whoa. upper bridge area the fupa the upper bridge the <laughs> fat upper bridge area uh and i found myself always standing to the right of the captain uh in a a riker like pose you were you were rikering around a little bit i i had kind of a riker's weekend on this boat did you ever get to the left and find yourself trying to tell the captain that somebody was lying (laughs) Uh, I was I was tugging at the front of my of my jacket a lot. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I was leaning. I was leaning up against walls wherever mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. Oh, I was eating things by holding things up over my face and then dropping them into my mouth. <laughs> did you uh, Did you find yourself sporting a full beard? Uh, to the degree that I can sport one, yes. Nice. Uh, I did not shave for the weekend, but Good. Good. Uh, you you likely wouldn't notice. I was wondering by saying that if you, in either your day-to-day life or your recreational life, you act as if any of our beloved uh, characters from this show. Do you ever draw on them for strength, Ben? There is a Twitter account that's called like Picard management tips or something like that. And like, I think it's like semi comic, uh-huh. but also sometimes just some real shit that Picard is great at as a manager. And, uh, I don't have a lot of cause to manage people, but, um, I have a couple of interns right now and I, uh, don't think that, you know, like I don't, um, see if I, you have a bunch of interns, you don't want to use Riker management tips. No. Yeah. And uh, there's certain there's certain things in Picard's toolbox that you probably want to leave <laughs> leave at the door as well, but uh, <laughs> but I think that um, uh, projecting an air of authority is something that Picard is great at that I am not, and yeah. uh, I would I I would aspire to that, and uh, I I don't know I guess I guess I always think about whether you know like most bosses in shows are bosses on suspicious grounds and are like capable of being you know having their reputations tarnished and Picard is pretty pretty much there because he's the best man for the job and mm-hmm. he's not haunted by his past or anything so uh i i like to feel like that in itself is a management tip mm-hmm. and 
feeling feeling some self confidence in what I do professionally is, uh, is, I guess maybe something I take from the show. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're saying makes me think that like this is a science f- fiction fantasy show where uh, where spaceships shoot at other spaceships, and like that is something exciting to fantasize about but like there's also the other end which is like uh the fantasy of being a great person a person better than you are in reality and there are many characters on this show that i feel that way about like yeah wouldn't wouldn't it be great if you were that poised or that cool and it's kind of an interesting i mean there's i would say that most things that imagine a future in which uh you have everything you want at your beck and call imagine awful people living in that kind of environment like if yeah. you think about like the people in wall-e yeah uh, they're they're terrible and you know the, disinterested the in their own future. lives yeah and and this is a you know a post-scarcity utopian future in which people uh, actively work to better themselves and that's a it's a pretty optimistic idea that i like a lot yeah and it seems like people can grow beards pretty much at will and that's something that i really admire too <laughs> yeah or or put an extra 12 inches of their beautiful red locks on yeah uh, in the doctor's case anytime let's turn it on over to season three episode eight the price uh, a title which i guess has to do with the price of doing business did you were you able to tie this in anywhere, Ben, with yeah, the story? I, I guess so. Um, the uh, the episode starts with Troy uh, getting getting into her quarters at the end of what what we can assume is a long day. She's a little wiped out. She's trying to get the replicator to make her some some chocolate ice cream. The computer's totally like replicator shaming her. <laughs> Like she wants some fucking ice cream and it's like telling her that that's, you know, not going to be fitting within the nutritional standards that have been set for this unit. And you're going to need to override if you want to. The computer's like, can that leotard really take on another (laughs) dish of chocolate ice cream? Yeah, that's some sexist bullshit right there. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Fuck you, computer. What Uh, do you think a bad day is like for Troy, though? Listening to people's bullshit problems. Maybe. I mean, I can I can imagine having a long day in, in her job, you know. You probably yeah. got a couple of kids who've lost a lost a parent on a on an away mission. You probably got like From nine average... to eleven you got some slick backs to talk to. Yeah. You've got some, some people in the engineering department who are traumatized by trying to fuck things on the holodeck and realizing what what they were, what what was slick in there wasn't a hologram. Yeah, because they got in there right after Riker. I mean, that. Was... Why is why is my holodeck warm? <laughs> that would be really upsetting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so she's like just trying to get settled in, and and she gets that that hated phone call from Picard going like, "Hey, why don't you come party with us?" Kind of, <laughs> n- kind of not optional. <laughs> yeah. And. uh she tries to get out of it by saying, I don't, I don't have anything to wear. And he says, like, throw on any old thing and get your ass up here. And uh, so she gets up there and um, it's, a, it's a little reception in 10 forward for a, 
a bunch of delegates who are going to all put in bids for a a wormhole that has been discovered in orbit of the planet Barzan. This is a wormhole to the Gamma Quadrant. So this is our first introduction to the idea that there's like lots and lots of the galaxy that just aren't accessible by the Federation because they're so far away. Like it would, it's like hundred years at warp nine type of distances. Right. Which is interesting, right? I think that like there's a couple of like TOS episodes where they they hit warp nine and they're like leaving the galaxy relatively quickly. And uh, I think this kind of resets the scale of the galaxy relative to the speed that the ships can go to like, there's still a lot out there that is unaccessible and that's interesting. And this wormhole is a very valuable natural resource. If, uh, if that is the case. Right. And, and what makes this one special is it's predictability. It's like the, uh, what's the, what's that geyser in Yosemite? It's old faithful. <laughs> old faithful. Well, I think people, that's in Yellowstone, Adam. But uh, people people think it's a geyser that goes off every every two hours or whatever, and and its predictability gives it all this value, right? If if right. you know when to catch the bus, and the bus is always going to be there, and it's always going to the same place, like this is uh, this is mass transit for the galaxy. Yeah, and everyone wants on. And so they stand there looking out the front windows of 10 forward and they see this huge space butthole open up and then close. And then uh, she gets to meet the cast of characters that have shown up. And there's a, uh, there's a guy named Seth Mendoza from the Federation. Pleasure to see you again, Counselor Troy. There is a guy with a lot of shit on his face, a lot of, a lot of meatloaf on his face. Leor of the Caldonians. He's got lobster hands and a seven hit. <laughs> and then uh, there is this uh, this real handsome devil named Devinoni Rao. Two cream, no sugar. <laughs> what is Lloyd Braun doing here? Uh, who is there to negotiate for another alien race that isn't present. They didn't bother to, to design any of these aliens. My good friend Rao is the best hired gun in the business. Hired gun. My good friend Mendoza means that I'm a negotiator who serves a variety of clients. On this particular occasion, I represent the Quisalian. And Ral is really reading from that Geordie LaForge playbook. Fucking like, seriously. Like, he, he does a lot of staring. Yeah. I mean, he's also playing from the Riker playbook, I guess. Why is it cool when Riker does it, though? I don't it, know. It just is. Like the male gaze works for him yeah. in a way that it doesn't for Jordy. Well, uh, when you when you pair a male gaze with a deep V, I think that's the winning combination. Sure. When it's just gaze or just V, uh, I don't think you win. That's what Jordy is missing. He has no gaze at all. I just figured it out. Whoa. No gaze. That's heavy. He needs a V that goes down and then around the back. That's how much <laughs> of a V he needs. Yeah. It is a This episode, I think, more than any we've yet seen, maybe, or as much as any we've yet seen anyways, demonstrates how gross the writers of this show must be when it comes to uh, being around women and their thoughts about how courtship works. Because it is, like, the first, like, the first several beats of 
Troy's relationship with this guy, Raw, are so fucking stomach churning. Like it's it's a lot of him like putting his hand on her hair uninvited and like he just comes on so strong and it's like it's hard to imagine that Troy doesn't like hit him with some mace and kick him out of her apartment (laughs) yeah it feels like they stack scenes this way where I'm imagining the writer's room is is like cackling about how great it would be if women thought this way yeah Like, like it's it's this is out of the fantasy woman playbook yeah, and I just find it so, like, I think that Troy at this point is a character that has some dimensionality to her character. Like, I think that obviously the the female roles on the show are not as well written as the male roles. But it's like she is a a three-dimensional person in the in this show, and suddenly she is just a sex object. And I just, it, it's like, it's so weird to to see it done after they've spent so much time attempting to like develop all of these characters to just kind of flatten one out for for an entire episode. Yeah. And I want to be really clear with this description. He doesn't do anything to earn the intimacy that he, that he achieves with her. And I want to really like put quotes around earn, like (laughs) first of all, but like he rushes right into Troy's quarters after yeah. they meet they they have sort of a meet cute I guess where they just stare at each other right. and then he just sort of walks into her quarters puts his ha- hand all over her hair yeah she's on ancestry.com in her, in her quarters and he like barges in and she's like oh I was just looking up some personnel and uh, she was totally looking him up so like I guess that sort of plants the idea that she was into him but like I think even if she was the way he behaves in this scene would turn anybody off okay i guess the way i really want to say it is like he doesn't earn it as a character right like there's no it just doesn't make any sense that he would walk to her quarters she would let him in and then he's messing up her hair Mm -hmm. like that's that's just a leap too far there's no setup at all for it when you leave this office who are you oh so that's how it goes you never do never do leave the office what yeah and it's i mean perhaps just the efficiencies that need to be brought to bear in uh, a television drama that only has an hour to get its story out of the way but just yeah, doesn't work and this is emblematic of the whole episode i thought like this is they had time to build this character a little bit mm-hmm. like they it's 15 minutes of tension spread over 45 minutes of show. Like, it's just a little thin. Right. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. Not entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. The negotiations open up and some Ferengis show up and they're pissed off that they never got invited to the negotiations to begin with. And the prime minister or whatever of the planet is like, yeah, like they can come. We don't, you know, if... If they want to bid, like, we're not turning anybody away. And the deal with this planet is that it's, like, a real dump. Like, it's something that Jordy <laughs> would be negging the shit out of if they ever showed it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and they don't have any natural resources. Um, so this... Jordy's this still wor- drying off from the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
this wormhole is a big come up for them. Like they finally have something that they can use to get some stuff. And, uh, and they're essentially auctioning off the licensing rights to, to the wormhole. Like whoever wins this negotiation is going to be the authority that controls access to the wormhole. And I guess therefore trade and stuff. And it's unclear. Like, I guess the Federation wants it for like purely, you know, scientific and curiosity reasons. Cause the Federation has plenty of resources, but, uh, the Ferengi are there and they see, they see a dollar in it. And the other aliens that are there are like, uh, by turns, a research oriented species and a just kind of generally peace oriented species, which is who Ral represents. And, uh, and so, like, there's just a lot of, like, shenanigans about the different delegates, and eventually the Ferengi use some some tricky uh, handshake gag on the Federation ambassador that causes him to get super sick, and Riker has to switch hit and take over a negotiation on behalf of the Federation. And it's just, it's like, you know, high tension about who's going to win this wormhole, and Troy's kind of caught in the middle of it because she's, you know, a colleague of Rikers, a citizen of the Federation, and uh, a friend of Rikers. But Ral is is there, sweeping her off of her feet, totally unaccountably, and is the kind of favorite to win. and And he thinks that Riker is his biggest his biggest competitor for this. Speaking of feet, uh, <laughs> there is a. There's a comeback from commercial uh, on this episode where it's just a close-up of one of Troy's feet being rubbed with salad dressing. And <laughs> they don't it, cut away for this for like two or three minutes. Like it's I was on going for- to say, like it is a real world thirty seconds of close up on a foot. <laughs> and like on an emergency blanket. It's amazing. Right. It's the kind of shot that, like, in an animated thing would maybe make sense because they could just loop the hand rubbing up and down the foot a couple times, drop in some dialogue. They don't have to go to the trouble of animating the lip sync uh, or, you know, the more complicated shot in that scene. In a live-action thing, this is pretty insane. <laughs> As When I saw it, I I immediately laughed and then I became horrified that this could become the next Bill Tilly holo card. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to leave that up to him, but yeah. God, what a really unique scene in this that, season. That Troy foot though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, this is emblematic of all the moves that Raul puts on her. Like that, it's some weak shit. It's it's like running your hands through her hair, rubbing on some feet and toes. And it's another thing that just sort of belongs in that what a writer's room must think it takes to sweep a woman off her feet playbook. Like, right. like who are these animals in this fucking writer's room right now? <laughs> like, given that, like, some of the the true heights that have been achieved so far in season three. Like, I mean, the last episode is so good in so many ways. And then this is like, who are these turkeys? Like, what the fuck do they think is going on? I don't know. I don't Gross. know. We've had three and a half seasons of character development for Troy and it's all gotten her up to this point. <laughs> yeah. Like where all it takes is some hair petting and some foot rubs and that's it. And so, 
she's enjoying this time with Ral. Uh, I mean, much to our consternation as a viewer, <laughs> like yeah. it's actually working. And yeah. she makes sure to let her best friend Beverly Crusher know uh, how how her toes are being curled in one of the weirdest, grossest. Uh, how would you describe this scene, Ben? Like foxy workout scene. I feel like they wrote this scene in reverse. Like they they wrote it from the perspective of how do we get Beverly and Troy into skin tight, tight spandex stretching yeah. around? We got to yeah, give like, them a reason. Oh, they've got to talk about a boy. Yeah, like what what is it gonna take for us to have Gates McFadden bending over in front of a mirror in which we can look up her butt? Basically, this episode is a real holocaust of uh, <laughs> of sexism. <laughs> I was about to suggest that maybe we were just jealous of this guy, uh, like macking on Troy and it working out. Like, like you hate the dude that the girl you have a crush on in middle school winds up dating, kind of, kind of thing. But no, it's just it's it's horrible. It, I feel like they shoot these makeouts different for her too. Like whenever Riker beds an alien, like. He'll wing her around and turn her away from camera so that you can't really see shit yeah, going down. But totally, man, the camera is in Troy's face you every time. You get dirty singles with Troy like every time, and you are just right up in that face. Like, I, yeah. I feel like it's unfair. And and the guy is using a lot of a lot of saliva in these kisses. When the ca- <laughs> when he pulls away, like her mouth will be like visibly wet. It's real, it's real nasty. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that Lloyd Braun <laughs> really lays it on her. Why so, can't Riker be more like Lloyd Braun? He <laughs> never could compete with Lloyd Braun. He just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic, so that no one had the chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic. hypnotic, hypnotic. So here's what's going on with the negotiation. They're like concerned that the the Barzan people uh, who have claimed that this wormhole is this great great thing might not know what the fuck they're talking about because they don't have manned spaceflight. Like all they've been able to do is shoot a probe into this thing, and you know if you think about the probes that we shot when we didn't have manned spaceflight, like worth being a little bit suspicious of. Uh, so they they're going to mount this operation where where Jordy and Data are going to take a shuttle pod and go through the wormhole. And the Frankie catch wind of this, and they flip out, and they think it's so unfair. And they're like, fine, just take your own pod through, or like we'll share all of the information we get if you want to just look at our notes. And they're like, nope, we're taking our own pod. Nothing you can do about it. How did the Frankie pod game get so tight compared to the Federation? Like... Jordy and Data are in a twin-size bunk bed out there, <laughs> yeah. and the Ferengi pod actually looks kind of badass. Yeah, it doesn't look terrible. the The shot of Jordy and Data in the <laughs> in the cockpit through the front window of the pod—it's real is cheese. One of my favorite, like, <laughs> laugh out loud. Like, it's so funny that shot of them. They're like, they're really like shoulder to shoulder, just wedged in there, and. And you know, like they have the the pod up on like something where the a couple of grips can rock it back and forth when they're when they're going through the through the wormhole. Uh, so much fun. Why would they take the pod instead of a craft? 
Also. Yeah, why why not a Previa? Yeah. Maybe maybe the, they get a garage full of Previas. Why not take one of those? Maybe the sticker value on the Previa, like the blue book on the Previa, is is high enough that they don't want to risk it, so they put, they throw a bunk bed yeah. out there. You know, like maybe Wesley if, borrowed the Previa. If they burn that bunk bed, like they can go get another one at IKEA, like that. That's true. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously they're out their priceless commander data and their and their chief engineer, but you know. I thought this was a real interesting choice now that you bring it up. Like, we're going to send our two guys into this wormhole and we're just going to cross our fingers that uh, that this thing goes where we think it's going to go. Why yeah. wouldn't the Federation shoot a super advanced probe to do their own follow-up? That's a great question. It seems like jumping right to a manned craft is... Ooh, that's dicey. Pretty dicey, yeah. And so... I think it just speaks to the value that they see in this thing. Like, it's worth the reach. Yeah, and so it's they, another opportunity for data to uh, to take, potentially take his die. Life yeah, yeah. <laughs> data wanted to stick his arm through. Yeah, <laughs> like, hey, data, why not your whole body? Yeah, data's ongoing suicidal hokey pokey. Exactly. So they get through, and they're they're through there with the with the Ferengi, who are you know just belligerent dickheads, and um, and they start to like pick up some weird some weird readings on the wormhole data is picking some stuff up on the, on the shuttle pod sensors, but Jordy is also seeing stuff with his visor and they tell the Ferengi like, this is not quite what we thought it was going to be. And it's behaving real weird over here on this side. You've got about 40 seconds to get back through this thing because something strange is about to happen. And the Ferengi are you know filled with hubris and they tell them to go fuck themselves so data and jordy make it through just in the nick of time and the wormhole reappears and then like zips across space and uh i guess oh also when they get through they realize they're in the delta quadrant not the gamma quadrant yeah they they got on the wormhole subway and i thought they were getting off at, at one station (laughs) <laughs> they check the map and it turns out they're on Forty Second Street. Yeah, yeah. They thought they were getting on the on the E, but they got on the A. They're very confused. The, yeah. Yeah, and the Ferengi are the Ferengi just get off and they're like, yeah. "This is our stop. We're gonna stick around." And those dudes get lost in space. Yeah, they're not listening to reason. There is a uh, there's an episode of Voyager that catches up with these Ferengi. By the way, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Really? Yeah. Uh, that's they, like, awesome they like crash land on some planet and like essentially turn it into their into like a Frankie outpost it's a lot of fun um, god what would have been what would it have been like if it had been swapped completely if instead it were Data and Jordy <laughs> who got trapped on the other side yeah the most uh, the most aspy planet of all time <laughs> yeah yeah uh, <laughs> I mean, I think that Data and Jordy would have been pretty cool, actually. Like on a, like, the, that's one thing that the the Prime Directive would prevent is them like inflicting their cultural values on whatever the local population is. Yeah. The Frangi have no such moral compass. Like they're they're like, cool, we're gonna crash land here, start setting up some fun, fun profit times. Jordy and Data sort of 
pre-visit this notion too in the pod jordy's like man i do not want to get stuck out here with you in this <laughs> in this bunk bed and yeah. data's data's like uh well look on the bright side you'd have me to talk to <laughs> and there's like a super pregnant pause where jordy is like actually sizing up how we would fuck data if left out on that <laughs> ship long enough <laughs> well data is uh programmed in multiple techniques yeah i think they could find an accommodation <laughs> i think they could not a lot of room to move around in that shuttle pod, though. Probably limited to uh, a few positions. Yeah, that is like back of the Volkswagen level fucking. Rail has talked Meatloaf guy out of being a a competitor. He basically says like, oh, "It'd be a lot of work administering this." administering this wormhole your people are more interested in just doing research like you're not gonna enjoy being in control of this thing he's like yeah you have a great point all right later yeah lobster hands out of contention yeah and at some point he comes and tries to like shit talk Riker or like outmaneuver Riker like Riker is chilling out in 10 forward and Rawl comes and sort of tries to lord the fact that he's banging Troy over Riker and uh, this was like one of the only like great moments in this episode because yeah. Riker goes, I thought you were a lot sharper than that. I bang everybody. I am not <laughs> precious about the people that I bang. Like I will bang you before you leave 10 forward. <laughs> in fact, I've already banged you and you don't even know it. Yeah. You're, you're going to stand up and realize you're walking funny, Rawl. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't help but notice the dog you tried to big me with. Well, I banged that dog also. <laughs> <laughs> they get back to the negotiating table. Uh, lobster hands is gone. The uh, the Ferengi has, has no-showed based on the missing pod. And so it's down to Riker and Rawl. And the, uh, and the, the red alert bell goes off. And Riker's like, fuck, I got I to gotta peace out. And runs up to the bridge, and uh, the Ferengi are trying to are trying to shoot missiles at the at the wormhole. And there's a fun shot here where Worf like bullseyes the missile in space with a phaser. And then, uh, <laughs> did Rawl... you notice the order of operations on that moment though? <laughs> I like didn't. the uh, the missile gets shot by the Ferengi. Picard goes, Worf, shoot that thing down. And Worf goes, I'm putting it on screen. And then he shoots it. <laughs> I thought that was kind of a boss move. Like, yeah. check it out, guys. You're going to want to yeah, see this. Worf, like, threw a hula hoop in the air and then threw a, <laughs> threw a frisbee through it. Like, yep. <laughs> He's the cool guy at the dog park. Totally. Trick shot Worf. So Rawl comes on the bridge with the prime minister lady that's been conducting the whole negotiation. And talks the Ferengi down off the ledge by saying, hey, I've just actually won the bidding, but I'll let you Ferengi make free use of the wormhole, and we can like negotiate the terms of that in good faith later on. And uh, the Ferengi guy is like, all right, I'm, I'm cool with that. And Troy is like, wait a second, this is some bullshit, because a minute, a minute ago, Rawl told me in confidence that he is in fact an empath he's in fact part betazoid he's been manipulating the shit out of everybody and now he's lying because this ferengi does not in fact have any stress in his head neither does raw this is a we are being 
shown yeah, we're some watching theater. some people play acting. Yeah. And she's like, I'm done with you, Rawl. Like, you came on strong. We had some hot bangs, but fuck you. And this is the moment when Riker reveals his dog to Rawl. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and sort of gloats and throws it in his face. Yeah. It's pretty great. He saves his dog for later. I think that's <laughs> an important lesson. Right. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. They diffuse this situation. The shuttle pod comes back through the wormhole and basically just radios up and goes like, yep, this is not a valuable natural resource after all. Sorry, guys. And uh, Rawl realizes that he has negotiated within an inch of his life to win a worthless wormhole. It's only stable on the one side. Yep. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, there are a couple of Ferengi back there, and uh, they ain't coming back. The end. Probably the worst episode of season three so far, right? Without a doubt. I, as I was watching this, I was thinking this was going up on Mount Armis. Like, yeah. It's, it, it has a rightful place up there, for sure. Totally. And it's, like, and it's like all the worse because of how... Like, if you look at the episode just before this, the enemy, like, there is, a like, a bunch of stuff going on that is so cool. Like, the cinematography in it is great. The, the Just, like, the pacing, the, the way the, the episode opens is amazing. This episode is, like, it's it feels like such a far backslide. I mean, it's, like, Troy has less of a character in this episode than she did in season one, episode one, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, it's super gross. And when I was reading about the production of this episode, everyone agreed that it looked great on paper. Like, this is a strong script. We were really excited to make it. And then almost universally, everyone thought that it was a total misfire. Like, visually. It's weird to read about that conflict between, like, the hope of a script and the reality of what it looks like on screen. Yeah, I mean, we're applying all of our 2020 hindsight to this. Yeah. I guess, I mean, I guess I can relate. I have lots of, I mean, my my career is littered with projects that I thought would be better than they actually were. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, it's very rare that you do something as complicated as making an episode of a television show and everything is humming and, and perfect. But uh, but in the same know. season that that you get Picard several times, you know, able to succinctly describe uh, the mission of humanity to other alien races you get a scene with crusher and troy in the exercise room like, yeah talking about toe curling like right it's amazing it's, how great the show can be and how bad it can be all in the same breath yeah that that scene like <clears throat> disqualifies star trek from ever passing the bechdel test ever no matter what right <laughs> right hey ben what's that adam in a episode littered with Shimode, did you find a single and best Drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I guess I'm just going to have to go with the whole production. Like, I'm going to say that, like, the writers, the people that approved the script, <laughs> the people that produced the episode, the people that cast the episode, the director, like, the music is weird. Like, it's... It, like I think the I have to say that Star Trek is the drunk Shimoda in this episode. I didn't just destroy the episode. <laughs> I destroyed every episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Every episode, everywhere, and then I inflated <laughs> a sex doll, and I've been plowing away at that in the corner ever since. 
It's my punishment. <laughs> we have no law to fit your crime. <laughs> oh, man. Kevin Uxbridge is my new favorite Star Trek character. Ah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh. I noticed you're getting a lot of praise for your impressions, and I am getting none. I, uh, I People think really that I like am your standing, impressions, Ben. I think I'm standing on your shoulders. I, I think that <laughs> um, your impressions have a subtlety that mine often don't, and and uh, you know it's it's like how it's like how the in a, in any like comic duo the straight man never gets his due, but right. is in fact the one that's making the comedy work. Sure. I think that's uh, that's the honor that you that you have in this situation. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Yeah, you know, my uh, my Shimoda was more clumsily articulated than yours, but I'm on the same team. Like, I think I think the series benefits from this episode being destroyed. Yeah, and never mentioned again. There's nothing canonically that matters in this episode, I guess, except for the Ferengi. You say that show back up in a Voyager episode down the road, but <laughs> yeah. like, is that is that critical to the story of Star Trek and the world of Star Trek? I don't know. Maybe not. But I think there's a net bump if this episode is gone forever. Yeah. And so my Shimoda, I think, is the episode. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think we're kind of coming at the same point from two different angles yeah we're uh, we're definitely spit roasting our shimoda here <laughs> <laughs> what do we have coming up next time it has to be better than this right uh yeah season three episode nine the vengeance factor the crew's attempts to mediate a violent dispute between warring clans are sabotaged by a mysterious assassin do you remember this episode, Adam? Nope. I feel like we're really in the dead zone of early season Star Trek, where I'm not remembering anything at all about these episodes right now. And before, um, I had uh, there was there were little bits and pieces. Well, let me uh, let me try some clarifying Cosby on you, and uh, okay. I'll see if I'll see if I could jog your memory. Okay. You see, Theo. <laughs> When a man has to bring peace to warring factions, he finds out that a girl that he wants to bang has been genetically engineered to be lethal to all the other clans, you see. Oh, okay. So she's a poison girl. She is a poison girl who you would not want to... Put something in her drink, Rudy. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Does that uh, that bring you back at all? It makes me more interested in seeing it. It does nothing for my recollection of the episode. I feel like everybody in this episode looks like they're in a hair metal band. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Okay. Looking forward to it. I'm down. I'm down with this. I feel like there's also a lot of like fifty gallon oil drums with fire in them. Oh, a lot of uh, a lot of like industrial decay sets, which are which are fun. They finally I'm, decide to spend some money after taking a couple episodes off. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, me too. Sounds good. Well, if you'd like to talk about our upcoming episode, the episode we just reviewed, or any of the other episodes that we've talked about, you can join the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag #GreatestGen. 
I'm on Twitter as at CutForTime, and Ben's over there as at Benjamin R, A-H-R. We're on Facebook uh, as a group and as a, as a page. Just search for The Greatest Generation. I'm pretty sure you can find it by doing that. Uh, you can also go over to Reddit, the Maximum Fun subreddit, and the Greatest Gen subreddit are both real fun, lively communities that uh, we're checking in on all the time. This show is made possible by the support of our listeners. So if you feel like joining one of the many that have contributed to our show's production, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. We yeah, really appreciate like more, it. More than 100 people are uh, are doing that, and that's so awesome. We really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, and uh, we should thank Dark Materia for our music. And with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and a very vengeful episode of The Greatest Generation. Mm. Our, our show can occasionally be vengeful. <laughs> I feel like we expressed some vengeance in our review of this episode. <laughs> yeah, we sure did. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.